Good evening. Um, just as a brief announcement, it is that time of year again where we will be, uh, I guess the fishing trip is open to all, uh, but we do have a men's dove hunting conference that is, uh, will be taking place August 31st through the 3rd. And uh, we have uh, several speakers coming this year. So um, it, it'll be a good time. And uh, if, you, if you'd like to attend, please let me know. I have to book or, or block the rooms rather quickly. Um, so fishing trip, and tr fishing trip is open all. And, uh, but the, the dove hunting trip, it's a, it's a men's conference. So as I've been told. Um, let's just uh, look to the Lord uh, one more time. Uh, Dearly Father, we just want to thank you uh, for today. Uh, what, a, what a day it's been to, uh, to rest, to, to, um, to fellowship, and to think on the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, now as we open your word, uh, we ask that uh, you'd be the guide, uh, Lord, that you'd be the speaker, uh, that you would um, show us what you would have us uh, to know about your person, your character, how, how to live and act in the assembly and uh, Lord, we just ask for your hope now as we open your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I, as you guys, oh, for those that weren't here this morning, um, we'll just quickly recap what we talked about. Um, we, we opened up, and if you have your Bibles, turn to Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 3, and that's what we'll be uh, tonight. And uh, we, we took a look at the first five verses. And uh, within these first five verses of, is a very powerful message uh, it's a prayer request of Paul and a very powerful um, prayer of Paul for the saints in Thessal uh, Thessalonica. And uh, it, it, we, we, we took a look at uh, the, the prayerfulness of Paul and, and Paul's request for prayer. We were reminded that uh, we, we need to pray for one another daily, um, but here specifically Paul requests prayer and that we need to prayer, pray for our leaders. Um, it was said that, um, and, and as we all know, Billy Graham was a very great man um, and great preacher, great evangelist, um, an example and a testimony to all. And it would have been, um, it would have been Satan's desire to see Billy Graham stumble and fall. Um, but Billy Graham was where he was because people prayed for Billy Graham. Um, they lifted him up in prayer. Um, someone has said that they mark their effective, effectiveness of their ministry by the number of people they pray for and the number of people that pray for them. Um, you'll see these preachers that go around and these missionaries that go around the world, and uh, they are completely lifted up by prayer, prayed, prayed for daily. And it was an encouragement, a reminder to us to pray for those who are working, those who are leading um, the, the church uh, today. Um, I encourage you all, if you're, if you're able to make it out, don't come next week, but you can definitely come this week to the prayer meeting. And uh, at the prayer meeting, we have uh, times of prayer where we pray for various things and uh, various people in this assembly. But specifically in the chapter that we're in, we're in Acts chapter 4, and uh, it's, it's a very uh, interesting story of, of Peter and John and their, their arrest and um, the issues that they came across. And 
it's interesting to see that they stood toe-to-toe -to -toe against the, the Sadducees, the, the, the religious leaders of the day, and um, even amidst this persecution of, of and they, they warned them, they threatened him, they did everything they could to discourage them, and they still stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with these, these religious authorities of the day. As soon as they're released, and I, I don't want to spoil, no, no spoiler alerts, but um, Bob will take us through the next portion of this, this week, but um, as soon as they're released, they go back. They go back to the assembly and they tell of what had happened. And they pray. They pray together. And what do they pray for? They pray for boldness. Now, these men had just stood up against the guys, the religious leaders of the day, and yet they still knew and recognized their need for more prayer, for more boldness. And um, that's, a good, that's a good thing to do, uh, to pray for one another and to lift up uh, the leaders uh, of the day. Um, we looked at uh, the, the preservation uh, uh, request of Paul. Paul um, had, had a request that the gospel would go out, that it would go out and be glorified, and that he would be delivered from uh, wicked men uh, that were trying to disrupt the work of the gospel. And um, we're just, we were reminded of this idea that, um, that persecution is all around us, that it is creeping into the states, um, and uh, we need to pray against it. Uh, we need to pray against laws that are being passed that are prohibiting certain things. And, and as we see the, the tide change, um, it's only God that can do these things. Um, should we, are, are we supposed to stand with um, posters and picket, uh, you know, and, and stand in front and protest these things? Or... Um, do we pray? And, and Paul asked for prayer. Paul, Paul asked that, that the saints would pray for him as he is battling these, uh, these wicked men that were trying to disrupt the work of the gospel. Um, we see that every chance that Satan got, he tried to um, throw a wrench in the works, and every, every time that the church was pre persecuted and they were forced to leave the area, a church was planted or people got saved and the church began to grow. Um, so uh, it was a good thing. Um, and God worked it for good, but Paul still prayed for deliverance from these, these wicked men. Um, he also uh, reminded them in verse 3 um, that the Lord's faithful and that he will establish and he will guard you from the evil one. We're reminded that, um, uh, and, and the devil, uh, Satan, he, he is a very powerful being. Um, the, 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 the demons in this world um, and the evil that's in this world is very powerful. Um, and, and it can take uh, anybody if they're not, um, if they're not ready. Um, we're encouraged by Paul at the end of Ephesians to put on the whole armor of God to protect ourselves against these things. Um, the, the one thing that we, that we have to do is not to give Satan any ground in our lives. Um, we do so by allowing certain things to come in, um, uh, by compromising um, uh, this this. this whatever it is, TV show, book, movie, whatever you're watching, isn't that bad. And, and, and what Satan does every time is he gains just a little bit of ground in your life. Um, I'll only do this once, or I'll only, I'll only click on that website just one time. And every time that we do this, we give Satan ground. And here, Paul's prayer for the church is that, um, that they would be reminded of the faithfulness of the Lord and that he would establish them and that he would guard them. But we can't give Satan any ground. 
The, ne the, the, the next one we looked at was the preserva uh, perseverance of the saints. Um, and this was this idea uh, in verse 4 of the confidence that Paul had in the Lord concerning, uh, concerning the people. Um, confidence in the Lord concerning uh, these, these saints. And, and we were reminded that, that God is faithful and he will complete the work that he has started in us. Um, we will fall. We will stumble. Uh, we will let each other down. And, as, as, and, and it's easy for us to lose confidence in each other. And Paul doesn't say, I have confidence in you. He had confidence in the Lord concerning you. Um, and Paul was confident that um, he would, again, finish the work that, God, that he had started in the lives of these people. And what we, what we opened up is this idea of patience. This was our last P, and it was in verse 5. And we talked a little bit about it. We made halfway through this verse. Um, and we'll just read it one more time uh, for just a, a reminder. It says, Now may the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patience of Christ. And we were reminded of our need, our desperate need, for patience. Um, this, 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 this steadfastness, this endurance um, that is needed. And Paul says that in order to get this patience, you have to have your hearts directed into the love of God. Uh, we're reminded in, in Jude 21, uh, he, he tells us to keep yourselves in the love of God. Keep yourselves in the love of God. This isn't a, a, a try harder type of thing. Um, this isn't a love God more kind of thing. This is a, a reflection, a meditation, and an enjoyment of the love of God. And um, as we thought this morning, we have a time, we have a privileged opportunity every week to come and remember the Lord Jesus uh, for an hour. Um, but if that's the only time that you remember how much God loves you, um, you're not going to enter into the, 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 the enjoyment or you're not going to keep yourself in the sunshine of God's love. Um, this is a daily exercise, a daily exercise. Um, to, to, to rely on God's love, to enjoy his love. Um, this group here in, in, in Thessalonica was a loving group. If you look quickly with me back to uh, chapter 1 and verse 3, he says, um, Paul tells the, the, the Thessalonians, We are bound to thank God always for you, brethren, as it is fitting, because your faith grows exceedingly and your love for everyone uh, of you all abounds towards each other. So this was a very loving church. Again, going through tremendous persecution, tremendous trials, some false teaching had entered in, and they were still a loving church. Paul says, don't stop there. Keep going. Um, let your love abound, grow. How do you do that? Well, here the prayer was that your hearts would be directed into the love of God. Um, the more you realize and the more you understand God's love for you, the easier it is for you to love him in return. Um, and, and the easier it is for you to love the things that he loves in return. Um, to love God and to love the things that God loves. Who does, what does God love? God loves people. God loves people. And the more we're um, keeping ourselves in the love of God, the more that we're able to um, love the things that he loves and enjoy the love that is showered upon us daily. Um, 
Paul wanted their love to increase. Um, he also wanted their patience. He wanted them to enter into the patience of Christ. Um, what does that mean? Uh, patience, the patience of, of the Thessalonians is mentioned again in verse, in verse 3 that we just read of chapter 1, um, that, uh, that they're, they're um, sorry, it's, it's actually found in, in verse uh, 4 of chapter 1, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions. Um, this, this church had tremendous patience. They had endurance. They had a steadfastness, a, a stick-to-itiveness about them amidst these, um, these persecutions. Paul's request, Paul's prayer for them is that they would go further, that their patience would increase, that they would have the patience of Christ. Well, what was Christ's patience? Um, um, Christ, um, as we think about him, and we often meditate upon this in the, in the Lord's Supper, um, we think about his endurance. Um, what did Christ endure? Well, when Christ was reviled, he didn't revile in return. When he was beaten, he took it patiently. Um, when he was falsely accused and, and his name was dragged through the mud, he didn't respond. And the ultimate endurance or patience was that he endured the wrath of his father for you and for me. This is the patience, this is the endurance that Paul wants the Thessalonians to have amidst these persecutions, amidst these trials. Um, I was trying to describe what this patience or this steadfastness would look like um, in, in our lives. And um, when we were talking about it last week up at camp, and it's, uh, I think we've all been to the ocean at least one time in our lives, and you, you, you stand in the break, um, and the, the ocean is very powerful, uh, very, very powerful. And as you stand in the break, um, the, you know, you, you used to surf and, and boogie board and do all these other things, and to get to the wave, to catch the wave, you have to make it through the break where the waves are crashing in. And we've all been there where we try to stand as that wave is coming, and we kind of lean into it and allow that wave to crash over us. This is that same idea of steadfastness, of, of having solid uh, feet and, and enduring this, the waves that are crashing on top of you. Um, this is the patience that Paul wants this church to have, um, bracing yourself for the waves in the ocean. And he wanted them to do so as they wait for the Lord's return. Um, this is the finish line. This is the goal. Um, until Christ comes, have this patience, have this endurance. Um, James uh, James chapter 5 tells us, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. That's, that's when the buzzer stops. That's when the patience, uh, our patience is over. We'll be forever with the Lord. Be patient until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient and establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Be patient, um, endure, um, and the more that we appreciate and keep ourselves in the love of God um, and in, in turn love him more and his people more, um, patience will come. Uh, meditate on his love um, and the endurance of Christ will motivate us to endure our trials patiently. 
So Paul here, as, as we wrap up this portion of verse 5, Paul here is telling the, the saints here to don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, don't get tired while you're doing good. Um, rest is coming. Uh, there is a break that is coming. And it's a sprint to the finish line. A lot of us uh, in the Christian life, we, we, we like to get to that coasting speed. You know, a lot of us will be traveling to Yosemite uh, next week and uh, getting over the grapevine is always um, a white knuckle event. Um, and then as soon as you get into the, uh, on the 99, it, you, you hit cruise control, right? And, and you just coast and um, then you wake up and you're in Fresno. Um, we're, not to, we're not to live our, our Christian lives like that. It has to be a sprint, an all-out sprint to the finish line. Um, C.T. Studd says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. This is all we have. As we thought about this morning in that illustration of, of that little bit of tape on that rope, um, only what's done in, in our 50, 60, 70, 80, grandma friend, 94 years, um, only what's done in this life will last, um, and only what's done for Christ will last, um, and what we do here in this life affects our eternity. Um, we can only send our rewards up. We can't earn rewards when we're in heaven. Um, so the next portion here, and, and we're going to finish up the book here, um, is a, a teaching or a warning um, uh, that, uh, or an issue that had risen in the local church. As you will be reminded, the, the issue was this false teaching had come in that the rapture had already taken place, um, that, that Christ had already come and uh, you missed the boat. Um, Paul refutes that. Paul corrects that in chapter 2. He tells them, no, it, it's okay. He has not come yet. Um, and he gives them the signs that they are to look for. Um, thinking of the second coming, thinking of Christ's coming, um, there were two responses to, um, to the second coming. One was uh, that Christ had come, so what's the use? Um, they were discouraged. The second was that Christ hadn't come yet, and, but he is coming, and because he's coming so soon, there's no need to work. Um, so I'm just going to quit my job, um, and I'm just going to sit here uh, and wait for the Lord's return. Let's, let's read real quickly uh, this portion, and then we'll, we'll make some comments on it. Verse 6 of chapter 3. It says, but we command you, brethren, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly and not according to the tradition which, we, which he received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but, you, but worked with labor and toil night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have the authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. For even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. For we hear that there are some among you who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Now those who are such, we command and exhort through our Lord Jesus Christ that they work in quietness and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person and do not keep company with him, 
that he may be ashamed. Yet do not count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. So here we're talking about a discipline of misbehaving believers. Uh, How serious was this offense? Um, We see the seriousness of the offense in the very first verse in in verse 6 here. Um, We command you, um, this isn't a a suggestion, Um, this isn't a, a, a wish or a hope, we command you, brethren, and he says so in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is how serious this matter is, that he's doing so on behalf, he's speaking on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ when he gives this command. Now, this group that was, had become uh, busybodies, as we'll talk about in a few minutes, um, they weren't working. They weren't working. Either they were waiting for the second coming and they thought, I'm not going to work anymore because uh, the Lord's coming so soon. There's no need to, to, to go to work. Or we missed the boat. What's the point? I'm just going to hang out and sponge off my friends. Um, Paul had addressed this already to this church. If, you, if you'll quickly turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and I believe, I believe Sam took this portion. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 14 he says, now we, here's, the, here's another word, we exhort you, brethren, warn those who are unruly. Warn those who are unruly. Um, this, this same idea or the same phrase comes back up here in the second epistle. Um, he says so in verse 6 of chapter, two, of chapter 3 in 2 Thessalonians, that you withdraw from every brother who walks disorderly or unruly um, and not according to the traditions which, um, which we have given you. So the warning that was given in the first letter was not heeded. Um, it was not listened to. Um, he had warned these men that were being lazy, um, not working, um, and, and, and exhorted them to get their act together. Um, so now harsher discipline is necessary. Um, and, and what does that look like? As we'll look in a, in a few minutes, uh, he says that to, to separate yourselves from this lazy person. Now, this isn't an as serious discipline as we see in 1 Corinthians 5. Um, and, and in 1 Corinthians 5, as, as you'll remember, and I don't think we have time to look at it, but in 1 Corinthians 5, we have um, the brother who, or the, the, the person in the assembly who um, was involved in an incestuous relationship. Um, and, and Paul tells the, the believers there, listen, you're not supposed to be associating with people from the world that act like this, and yet you're, you're associating with a brother who's acting this way, and you need to put him out of the assembly. And so they do, okay? But this is a, a sexual, immoral uh, situation that this man was disciplined for. This is not that serious, and we're going to see why it's not as serious. But this is a discipline uh, that, that Paul is, is passing out to the, uh, to the, uh, the brothers or brother in, in Thessalonica that is not working and is being lazy. Um, he says to not eat with them, to disassociate yourselves with, from this person. Um, what's the purpose? What's the purpose of the discipline in 1 Corinthians 5? And what's the purpose of the discipline here? Well, the, the purpose of discipline is always for restoration. 
It's always to bring somebody back. Um, w w most of us in this room are parents, um, and, and we discipline our children. Um, we don't discipline our children to, to throw them out of the house. We discipline our children to, to, to restore the relationship, to restore the fellowship, uh, and, and to bring them back in. Um, and this is always, it always has to be the heart of discipline. Um, and if it's not, then, then there, there are bigger issues. Um, what, what's the purpose of this, uh, to, to withdraw from this bro these brothers that are not working? It's the absence of fellowship that would draw the heart back, um, the, the, this longing to be back um, with, with the brothers and sisters in Christ um, would cause this person to come to their senses, to realize their sin, and to, 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 um, to, seek, uh, to have repentance and to seek forgiveness. Um, so Paul here, in, in starting in verse 7, points to his own example. He says, For you yourselves know how you ought to follow us, for we were not disorderly among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread free of charge, but worked and toiled and labored day and night. Paul was a tent maker. Um, this is what he did by trade. He would make tents. And he would do so during the day. Um, he, would, he would make tents. He would sew. He would stitch. He would sell these tents. And that's how he would earn a living. Um, going back, uh, and, and we, we won't do it for the sake of time, but going back to 1 Thessalonians, he reminds them of the same thing. He says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. Um, Paul didn't want to come into town and to, to have the saints wait on him hand and foot and, and to, to, to dig into their pockets to, 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 um, to take care of his needs. He went and worked. And then when they all came together, um, he brought his own food. He brought his own sack lunch. And, and he labored and shared the gospel so that he wouldn't be a burden to them. But he did so for a purpose, and we find the purpose here in, in, uh, um, in verse 9. Um, in verse 9, not because we do not have authority, but to make ourselves an example of how you should follow us. Um, Paul did this to be an example to the believers. Listen, I'm going to work all day, and I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to earn money, and I'm going to buy food, and then I'm going to minister to you. Follow me. The same thing I did, you do. Work all day, labor, um, toil, and then serve one another in the gospel, in, 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 in various things, in teaching. Um, Paul did so to be an example. Now, he says an interesting phrase. He says, not in verse 9, not because we don't have the authority. What does that mean? And... Um, I want to take a quick second to talk about um, commended workers um, versus full-time workers versus secular workers. Um, I want to let you all know that you are all full-time workers, all of us. The, 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 the Jabe Nicholsons, the Joe Reeses, the, the Bob McKays, the, the Ricky Hudspeths, all of us, we're all full-time workers in the work of the gospel in the work of the Lord. Um, now, what's the difference between commended worker versus um, a, a one with a secular job? Um, both are servants of the Lord. 
Um, one, perhaps, is a missionary um, and, uh, or, or a, a, a speaker that travels. And uh, they could be in the jungle, they could be a traveling speaker. Um, and then the next servant, uh, and this is the one with a secular job, could be one that plugs away in, in normal employment and is a, is a testimony in the workplace. Um, and comes to the meeting and, and rolls up their sleeves and works and ministers to the saints. Um, both are workers. Um, the secular worker gets paid for what he or she does um, and, and, and earns a living. Uh, but the commended worker is supported by the church. Um, these are workers that are in, in full-time service sharing the gospel and, and doing so faithfully. Um, and and to back this up and to support this, we're going to look at uh, 1 Corinthians 9. Um, there's, there's several portions that, that mention this. We'll only take a look at, at, at a couple. 1 Corinthians 9, um, and starting in verse four, 14, or 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 4, <clears throat> Paul says in his, in his defense, because he was being accused of not being an apostle, at this time, uh, he says, uh, and, and he was accused of abusing uh, his apostolic authority. In, in verse 4, he says, do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife as all the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord and Cephas? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war, who, whoever goes to war at his own expense who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Do I say, therefore, as a mere man, or does the law say something, some, say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the, an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? Or does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of this hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, it is a great thing if we reap, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? Nevertheless, we have not used this right, um, but endured all things, lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Um, Verse 13, do you not know that those who minister the holy things eat of the holy things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Even so, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. So we have men and women who are in full-time service, who, because of the situation that they're in, because they, they preach daily, they speak daily, um, that they are supported. They're supported by the church. They're, they're commended by assemblies. They're commended by their church um, to, to, um, to preach the gospel, and they're in full-time service, um, or they are commended workers. Um, here, what Paul, Paul is, is encouraging, and, and he says the same thing in Galatians, Galatians 6, and we won't read it, but he says, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Um, so there's this idea, and, and Paul points several pictures out. Um, he talks about those who go to war. They're supported by those from back, um, those who, who um, back home, those who uh, plant a vineyard, they reap. 
um, from what they sow. Um, and likewise, he uses the, the, um, the illustrations of those who minister in the temple. Um, you think of the Levites and the priests. Um, they're, they're offering daily. They didn't have time to go raise cattle. They didn't have time to go plow fields. That wasn't their job. That wasn't their purpose. Their purpose was to be ministers in, in, the, in the temple, in the, in the tabernacle. And so they were able to partake of what was brought to them. Um, Paul's saying the same thing for these commanded workers. Um, but Paul says, even though, even though, getting back to our portion, even though I, we had the authority to do so, um, in, back in 2 Thessalonians, um, even though we had the authority to do so, we didn't do so. We didn't do it. Um, and we did it so that we could be an example for you, um, finishing uh, up in verse 9. Um, so starting in verse 10, Paul really addresses these, these brothers um, and possibly sisters who weren't working. For It says in verse 10 of, of 2 Thessalonians 3, for, e for even when we were with you, we commanded you this, if anyone will not work, neither shall he eat. Um, this was written to millennials. Um, that's all I could think about today. Um, and, I, and I am one, so I can, uh, I can say that. Um, this was written to, to uh, and, and, and what's interesting is, is we, we like to point the finger at millennials. Obviously, this was an issue a long time ago, um, some 2,000 years ago. Um, and so the same issues that they had, we have today. We have people that um, don't want to work. They simply don't want to work. Um, they're allergic to work. Um, they think work is bad. Um, and as, as we, I was talking uh, during the break today, um, we have to be reminded that the work, that work is a blessing given to us by God. Um, work was given to us prior to the fall. Um, we, often kind, we often associate, and I used to do this all the time when I would mow the grass and, and pull the weeds and stuff, that this is all Adam and Eve's fault. Like, I can't believe, I have to work this hard because of them. And the work to tend the garden and to take care of the animals was before the fall. Um, now, the workload got harder after the fall, and the thorns came, and, and, and the sweat of the brow came. But prior to that, Adam and Eve had a job. Um, we all are wired to work. We should work. Um, we all have that, and, and I like doing this. I have a to-do list that I need to get done at the house um, and, or, or whatever it is, and you write it down, and I make a list. And being able to check off things off that list is the greatest feeling. It really is. And if you get to the bottom of your list, you go, you sit down in the chair at the end of the day, and you just feel good. You feel good that you got so much done and accomplished. Who gave us that? That's God-given. That's, work is a blessing um, given to us by God. And what was happening was that in the light of the second coming, these men were saying, I'm not going to work. Um, that's the one thing. And here in this, in, 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 if, you, if you look, uh, Paul, and Paul's very blunt. He doesn't beat around the bush. If you don't work, you don't eat. Th period. That's it. If you're not going to work, you're not going to eat. Now, we can spend a long time talking about the social issues of the United States and all these different programs that we have in place. Um, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says, that if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, if you're able to. Now, there's plenty, there's, there's several um, 
lack of, I don't have the word, but um, we're not talking about the exceptions here. We're not talking about those who physically are unable to perform a task. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about men and women, able-bodied, that should work. Um, if you don't work, you don't eat. Um, and in, in verse 11, he says, for we hear that there are some who walk among you. That word here means, it has the uh, repetitive tense to it, meaning this is coming up often. It, it's, it's happening more than once. We keep hearing that there are some among you who walk among you in a disorderly manner, not working at all, but are busybodies. Um, busybodies. Uh, the word busybody means to meddle in the affairs of someone else. Um, in, in, in 1 Peter 4, uh, he gives us an, uh, just a little bit deeper um, definition of it. He says, those who do nothing but meddle in the affairs of others. Um, this is a busybody, um, just a do nothing. Uh, in some languages, there's, there's a different phrase or a different meaning behind it, and, and they, they say that it's, it's someone who puts their spoon in somebody else's cup and just stirs it, just all up in the business. Um, uh, one who uh, always tells another how to buy and sell. This is a busybody. So not only were these people not working, they were getting into the affairs and the concerns of others. Um, idle hands. Idle hands are very, very dangerous. Um, I just looked up, I just did a word search on idle, and, and, and there was multiple verses. Um, but in, in Proverbs, as you guys will probably all guess, were most of them, um, in all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. Laziness casts out in, into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Um, uh, Ecclesiastes says, because of laziness, the building decays, and through idleness of hands, the house leaks. Um, when we're left, when, first of all, when we're not working, um, we got to do something. And these people were so preoccupied with nothing that they were getting involved in every, everybody else's business. They were becoming busybodies. And it was a disrupting the assembly. Um, again, the Lord commanded us to work while we wait. Um, we are to watch and pray for the Lord's return, and we are to continue to work um, until the Lord's return. Um, uh, this isn't a, a, something that has only taken place during this time. This has happened recently where we had um, uh, books, and Justin kind of made mention of this, we've had books and, and certain men and women that have picked dates of when the Lord was going to return and, and the Lord's going to come back, 88 reasons why the Lord's going to come back in 88, and, and so on. There's all these other things. Well, so people got so wrapped up in these things that they, too, sold everything. Um, they quit their jobs. Some of them even, in, in some cases, uh, put on white robes and went and climbed up, up onto their roof, waiting for the Lord's return, um, doing nothing. Um, the Lord wants us to work and, and keep working until he returns. Um, there's a movie, and as you guys all know, my favorite movie genre is uh, Christian horse movies. Um, by far my favorite. And, that, and that's, yeah, pure flicks. They, there's a lot. And you can ask my family. This is a true story. Uh, Christian horse movies. Um, and there's, there's plenty of them. 
Um, but one of, one of my favorite movies is, is Facing the Giants. And there's a scene in this movie that is very powerful. And in this idea of waiting and working and, and toiling and, and waiting for the Lord's return. And it's the, uh, the, one of the main characters. He's a big lineman. He's a leader on the team. And the coach, they're doing bear crawls with, with guys on their back. And the coach says, I want you to go to the 50-yard line uh, with this kid on your back. And he goes, nah, I could probably do the 30-yard line, but I can't do the 50. He goes, well, let's just try the 50. So he, he blindfolds the kid, puts, he gets him on his back, and he, and he goes, and he, and he starts getting tired. Well, the coach gets in his face and just says, keep going, keep pushing, keep going, keep driving. And, and he's, he's at the breaking point. And finally, he collapses, right, completely out of strength. He gave everything that he had. And when he takes the blindfold off, he's not at the 30, he's not at the 50, he's at the 100-yard line. And he had just taken this kid from the entire length of the football field on his back. And it was because of his endurance. He pushed through. He kept working. He kept fighting. He didn't give up. Um, even though it was hard, he kept working. Um, there's another story of a, of a gardener uh, who was the, the groundskeeper for an, a castle in Ireland. And um, a visitor had come in come in and, and he was showing this visitor around and the, the place was immaculate. I mean, beautiful, it, not, a, not a piece of dirt on the floor. The garden was perfect. I mean, it was just really, really nice. And the, the visitor asked the, the gardener, well, where's the owner? And he says, well, he hasn't been here in about 10 years. And the visitor was kind of taken back. He's like, well, are, are you expecting him sometime this week? And he goes, oh no. I'm expecting him every day. Um, every day he would wake up and he would take care of the garden, expecting the owner to come, um, even though uh, he, he didn't and he did so for, for so long. Um, it's the same way that we are to, to, to work. We are to labor. We are to work. Um, we are not to be uh, freeloaders. As Paul says here, if you do not work, you shall not eat. Um, and he condemns these busybodies. Um, and in, in verse 12, he says, now those, um, uh, in verse 12, he says, now those who are such, we command and exhort through, all, through the Lord Jesus Christ that they work, work in quietness and eat their own bread. So Paul is addressing these ones specifically. He's saying, you need to work. That's it, final. You need to get a job. You need to provide for yourself um, and stop being a busybody, stop meddling in the other uh, believers' lives, and work. Now, Paul says here in, in verse 13, he says, But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. And if anyone does not obey our word in this epistle, note that person. <clears throat> um, Moody was asked, you know, do you ever get tired of, of your work? And Moody said, I get weary in the work, but I never grow weary of the work. Um, we can be tired. It's okay to be tired. After a long day's work of, of serving the Lord, of working in, a, in secular employment, we can be tired, but we can't grow weary of the work. Um, and here Paul encourages the, the believers, don't, don't get tired. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep fighting. Like the facing the giants, don't, don't give up. Uh, and, and, and wait for the Lord. Um, and in verse 14, he, he warns or admonishes them to mark this unruly brother. Mark this one that's disorderly. And he says 
do not keep company with him that he may be ashamed. Now this is where there's a difference between 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Thessalonians 3. In 1 Corinthians 5, this is sexual immorality. Um, he is to be put out of the assembly um, and, and um, excommunicated. Here, Paul says to mark this brother who does not listen to this epistle, who doesn't listen to our command to get, get a job and go to work. Um, and he says to not associate with him, uh, to not keep company with him, that he may be ashamed. Again, that absence of fellowship causing him to think, okay, I, I, I got to get my act together. I, I have to repent of this sin. But what he says in verse 15 is super important. Um, <clears throat> he says, yet do not count him as an enemy. Don't count him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Now, if this brother was excommunicated out of the assembly, how are they to admonish him? Um, obviously, there was lines of communication that were still there. Now, you weren't supposed to hang out with them. Again, this is kind of like that freeloader guy that would always show up at dinner time, and he didn't work all day. You had worked all day. You have food on the table. Hey, I'm here to fellowship with you, and, and he would just sit down and, and, and eat your food. Um, they're saying, don't do that. Don't do that. Mark this brother and, and, and put him out of that type of fellowship. But he says, he's not an enemy. Don't treat him like one. Um, we can't treat those under discipline as enemies because they're not. They're brothers and sisters in Christ. And if they weren't, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't, they, they, they wouldn't be called brothers and sisters. They're not enemies. Um, he says, don't treat them like an enemy, but admonish them as a brother. Um, what does that look like? I don't know. Encourage them. Um, call them. Text them. Um, tell them how much you miss them. Um, ask them to repent. Um, give them a verse. Give them a portion of scripture. Whatever that is. Um, but encourage them. Admonish them as a brother. <clears throat> the, the, uh, again, the, the result of, of the discipline being the restoration. If, if you guys remember, in 1 Corinthians 5, the brother is excommunicated. 2 Corinthians 2, he's brought back in. Paul says, bring him back. He's been restored. He's, he's turned his life around. He's repented, and we need to bring him back in. Don't keep him out um, and, 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 and forgive him. Paul closes the letter um, in, in, a, in a very typical fashion. In, in verse 16, he says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. The Lord be with you all. <clears throat> he closes with this idea, and he, and he gives the Lord a specific title, the Lord of peace. The Lord of peace. If you, if you remember back to the very beginning of Thessalonians, uh, our, our first letter, um, there was a lot of turmoil in this church, a lot of heartache, a lot of persecution, a lot of false teaching, just a lot of stuff going on. Um, brothers in, that, that are acting disorderly. And Paul prays that the Lord of peace would give you peace. Um, peace in the midst of storms. Uh, peace with God. Um, his, his felt presence with us. That's what Paul's asking for. A felt peace um, within, it, within them. Um, and we don't need anything else to bring us joy uh, in our lives than the peace of God. Um, if God is with us, it doesn't matter who's against us. It doesn't matter who's against us. Um, 
Uh, this is what the saints wanted. Uh, they wanted peace. Um, this is what the world wants. They want peace. Um, this is what we should de desire. Um, and it's what they needed. Um, the Lord, as, as Paul says here, that the Lord of peace would give you peace. He is not only um, the Lord, he's not only the source of peace, he's the giver of peace. Um, he, can, he can mend these broken relationships. He can give you peace in the midst of trials. He can give you peace as you um, sift through and, and read and hear this, this false doctrine. He can give you peace. Um, and this is what Paul um, this is what Paul prayed for and desired that the, the church here would have. And finally, he says that the salutation of Paul is with my own hand. Um, again, you're, you'll be reminded that this letter uh, was, was probably dictated by Paul to a secretary, but that Paul would sign it with his own hand. Why is that important? Well, because there were other letters that were coming to Paul that were um, fake, that, were, that they said, oh, hey, by, this is Paul's letter, and Christ had already come back or the second coming had already happened. And so Paul's saying, listen, no, this is, the, uh, this is the seal. This is to authenticate that this letter is from me, and this is the teaching of God. Um, so he signs it with his own hand. And then he says that the grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, be with you all. Amen. And uh, that should be our prayer, too, um, that, that, we, that we depend upon the Lord of peace, that we, again, going back, that we... Um, that we keep ourselves in the love of God um, and that we remember and hold to the teachings of Scripture and not to um, the false teachings of men. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, we want to thank you uh, for your word and, and the, the power that it contains, the, the instruction that it gives us on, on how to live. Um, and Father, I just pray, the Lord, that you'd You'd show each and every one of us how to, uh, to keep ourselves in the love of God, um, to, to, to have that, that patience that Christ had. And Father, that you would give us that peace that only you can give us, a, a peace that is a, a beyond understanding. Um, and Lord, just help us this week as we go about um, our work and our labor, um, that we would do so with joyful hearts. And Lord, that we would lift up each other in prayer. Um, Lord, help us and remind us of all the things we've learned in these two letters. Um, and Lord, we pray that you would, again, just break off anything in our lives that doesn't look like the Lord Jesus. We ask that you give us uh, peace and safety as we go home. In Jesus' name, amen.